Hello again, and thanks for joining us. This is Astronomy Daily. My name is Andrew Dunkley, your host. So good to have your company and joining me to give us the lowdown on what's happening in astronomy and space science is our roving reporter, well, virtually roaming, uh, Haley. Hello, Haley. How are you today? Fine, Andrew. Thanks for asking. What's that noise? Oh, uh, it's pouring rain here. Uh, the Bureau of, Meteor- uh, Bureau of Meteorology in Australia has just declared that we're going into our third La Nina event in a row, which is uh, is rare. So they've forecast a wetter than average spring and summer. And well, <laughs> here we are. Yeah, potentially more more floods for us in the months ahead. Unfortunately. <laughs> The Astronomy Daily Podcast with Andrew Dunkley. Right now, we might as well get straight into the news. Sure. There have been some problems with launch plans for the Space Development Agency. They were expecting to launch low-Earth orbit satellites this month, but that now looks like it won't happen due to supply chain issues. The satellites they will ultimately be deploying are a series of 28 which include 20 tranche-O satellite units made by SpaceX and L3 Harris as well as eight missile-tracking infrared sensor satellites. This would have been SDA's first launch and while they had hoped to be in orbit at the end of this month, the delay is supply will probably not see them off the ground until sometime in December. Northrop Grumman has been in the business of making rockets for over 60 years now. Rocket development through the 70s was significant as well as their work with the U.S. Department of Defense, and in March of this year, gained a significant contract with the Missile Defense Agency. Now all that experience has come together to enable them to create more than 65 variations of their launch vehicles, depending on the payload and client's needs. Northrop Grumman has completed 30 successful launches globally this year and is looking to set a launch record for this calendar year. Their business continues to prosper as more organizations see space as a potential business platform. Jokes aside, The idea of sending a probe to Uranus is gaining momentum and the latest is the naming of a space vehicle that might make the trip. NASA is now turning to the public for some inspiration in the naming of such a probe. Some ideas have already been pitched including William Herschel due to the fact that he discovered the planet's moons, Titania and Oberon. Other ideas include Tempest after one of Shakespeare's plays. Then there's Odin, the Norse god and a few others. Sadly, some ideas haven't been too nice with many people choosing questionable concepts that are not fit for this podcast. NASA says Uranus is a high-priority scientific target, or more to the point, its moons which are believed to have vast, liquid oceans of water. But jokes aside, there are many reasons why we should probe Uranus. Tee-hee! Finally, a new scientific study has been published which suggests that blaming global warming on climate change might have been premature. A group of global scientists have contradicted the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. They claim that the sun is a key factor in changes that have been documented over the last 150 years. The paper was written by 23 experts who work in the area of solar physics and they say their conclusion opposed the UN's stated reasons for climate change, being CO2 emissions. Further, they says that temperature changes since the middle of the 19th century have been caused by mostly natural events being mostly long-term changes in the energy coming from the sun. And that's the news, Andrew. Thank you, Haley. Now let's see what else is going on in astronomy and space science. Now, I'm sure you've heard of Microsoft. 
It's a name you would mostly associate with home computers and gaming systems, uh, like Xbox, for example. But they have a significant interest in space, which is a growing area of their business. Uh, This week, Microsoft announced that they want to offer previews of their Azure Orbital Cloud, which brings together satellite and terrestrial communications technology. Now, Microsoft believes they can achieve high-speed cloud access with low latency, and we know how important that is. I mean, when Fred and I record Space Nuts, latency is quite often a problem for us. Now, according to Jason Zander, who is Vice President of Microsoft Strategic Missions and Technologies, this is about giving people the opportunity to get continuous access in a more turnkey kind of way, whatever that means. He says that Azure Orbital Ground Station is now generally available and ready to go. Xander also said that satellite communications is essential these days and that any cloud-based system that wants to be a hyperscaler, his word, not mine, a hyperscaler going forward, must have a satellite solution. That said, Microsoft has no intention of launching its own satellites. There are plenty of other people doing that. Now, we heard about a potential mission to Uranus, haha, but what about Ceres? Scientists with NASA have recommended that Ceres be targeted for a sample return mission. Ceres is a, is a really great target because it's the closest ocean world to Earth and is said to be water-rich below its crust, which, by the way, is 25 miles down. It's thought that about 40% of the material within the dwarf planet could be water. Uh, Julie Castillo-Rogers of uh, NASA JPL is very excited by Ceres because it has carbonates, ammonia and brine in its makeup and probably has a lot of organics too and it's those organics that would be the prime target of a retrieval mission. Much of the data we have on Ceres came from the 2015 Dawn mission which also suggests that Ceres is generating its own heat from within. Any future mission to this world would require robotic probes which could land on its surface and already several target points have been identified. And the bonus is that Ceres is a low-G environment, so getting the samples back would be relatively easy and low cost. The Astronomy Daily Podcast with Andrew Dunkley. Now to a topic that always gets people listening, alien life. A scientist with the Swiss government believes we're on the brink of discovering life beyond Earth. As you know, despite all the efforts of SETI and others, so far there's only one place in the universe where life has been found, and that's right here. But many truly believe life must exist elsewhere, and all we have to do is find it. Ha ha. Dr. Sasha Kwanz uh, with the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology thinks that humans will find life beyond Earth within 25 years. He cites that we discovered the first exoplanet in 1995 and now we know of more than 5,000 of them. He goes on to say that dozens of those uh, worlds are already considered potentially habitable and have the right conditions for liquid water to exist and that the numbers are growing. He believes that investigating these worlds through the James Webb Space Telescope could see some exciting things happen in the near future, and one of those things may well be life on another planet. Fred and I have discussed that 
at length many times on Space Nuts and Fred is of the opinion, and I am too, that microbial life must exist beyond Earth. It's a giant leap to get to plant life and an even bigger leap to get to intelligent life like we have on Earth. We're not saying it's impossible, but the likelihood is is extreme. But the possibility of microbial life, simple life forms, yeah, definitely, definitely a possibility, if not a probability. Almost time to finish up for another day and for this week. Uh, anything before we go, Haley? Yes, Andrew. Today is International Day for the Preservation of the Ozone Layer. The ozone layer protects us from radiation and helps to preserve life on this planet, so today is an important day designed to spread awareness regarding the depletion issues that face the ozone layer. Right now there are holes in the ozone layer over Antarctica and the Arctic, which may be harmful and while some of these holes are caused by natural fluctuations, humans can help reduce the problem just by driving less often, carpooling, taking public transport and replacing cleaning products with non-toxic brands. It's something to think about. You are right. Uh, it is something to think about, and it's something that uh, I heard about as a kid and, uh, yeah, continues to be an issue for our planet. Thanks, Haley. Uh, you have yourself a nice weekend, and we'll catch you next week. You too, Andrew. Bye. I'm not really a U2 fan. But anyway, uh, that's it from Astronomy Daily. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave your reviews on your favourite podcasting distributor. And catch up with us on our website, spacenuts.io. Click on the Astronomy Daily link and you can read up on some of the stories we've talked about today and plenty more. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Andrew Dunkley for Astronomy Daily. The Astronomy Daily Podcast with Andrew Dunkley.